0: Welcome to Heart of the Psalmist, cultivating the heart of creatives. Now, your host, Sharvis Witted.
1: Well, hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Heart of the Psalmist. As I always say, this is the show where we're asking God to create in us clean hearts so that we can create for him. That's why this show exists. I want you all to be strong in your craft, but also want to make sure that the immaterial part, your mind, is anchored in the Word of God and you're growing there as well. That's why we're here. And today I have another very, very special guest. This is someone I wanted to get on this show since I started it two and a half years ago. I met him in 2014 through a mutual friend at a worship conference he had. It was called Unrestrained. I had a wonderful time. And I'm so glad that by the grace of God, I finally had him on. And I want to just welcome to the show,
0: Pastor Rod Lumpkin. How are you today, sir? Man, I am doing wonderful. It is an honor to be here, man. Listen, 2014, so we got some years under our belt. That's right. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. You're doing great things. And we celebrate, of course, this conversation and this this ministry tool that you're using to, to enhance the body of Christ.
1: That's what it's all about. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I know I just introduced you. I didn't say much about you, but, you know, I um, <laughs> you, you've, you've done a lot, you know, and I love talking to people who have a lot of time on the roles. You know, I come from a third generation music manager family. My dad still plays 50 plus years. My grandma played. I came to one of those houses where every child had to at least try. You had to try. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I like talking to people like you because while God can speak to anybody, for sure, there's something about when you get seasoned vessels who walk things out, Who've done things right? Who've done things wrong? So I really value the time that I have. But before we jump into today's topic, could you just tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, your journey, some of the things that you've done, and what you're doing now?
0: Okay. Well, I was actually—I'm uh, gonna go back to the beginning, man. I'm, I'm a dual citizen. I was born in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Wow. Uh, lived there for all but four days in the hospital, and uh, so I was raised in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, My mother's Canadian. My father is U.S. Brought up in Detroit all my life, of course, and all the musicians and friends and, you know, you know, all the greats that come out of Detroit. And my dad is a musician. He's been playing since he was five years old. And much like your family, all of my uncles, aunts, everybody played an instrument. And uh, I started playing keyboard at the age of four myself and got into music and, you know, and man from there oh my goodness uh i got a scholarship in music to morris brown a walk-on scholarship in jazz keyboards recorded my first record man in 1998 now seven cds in you know between then and of course produce just several artists man i mean from uh i've written for tasha cos bishop paul morton william murphy shirley murdoch um man this just goes on the bridge project full gospel just done a lot of things man god's been faithful to us angela pool who you had on last week yeah i've done a lot of work with her of course on the other side i have a wonderful wife man we're going on 27 years of marriage come april and then of course two wonderful sons 25 and 23 years old and a beautiful granddaughter uh who's a year and a half And so we just learning how to be grandparents in this season and helping my son raise of course his daughter. And man, we're excited. Been pastoring now a wonderful ministry called Day Spring International Worship Center, now in the city of Stone Mountain, Georgia. Just celebrated four years of pastoring. And of course, man, you know, we just, man, we experience God, encounter God's presence on a week to week basis, teaching ministry. I'm a grace preacher. I'm completing my second studies uh, in pastoral theological studies at Global Grace Seminary out of Texas. Currently uh, pursuing my master's in that, and and so man, I'm just I just love God, love the Word, love people, man, and uh, that's about as much as I can think of right now in a in a short in a short snippet. <laughs>
1: that's a wonderful journey. You're the kind of guy that I want to talk to. I want to. Pull everything I can out of you that can help my audience. A lot of younger creatives that I know, like you, like to mentor people that are younger than me. And it's so important, I believe, that we mentor them in a balanced way. Yes, be proficient in your craft. Yes, know the tech. But at the same time, anchor yourself in scripture. Walk with the Lord. Those things have to go together. And the last thing I want to say before I get into the meat, I got to give you props So one more thing that you benefited me in. When I came to the conference in 2014, one of your sponsors was Logos Bible yeah and when i saw that presentation do you know that saying that i went and bought it and that's been my primary study too since then so thank you for that pastor thank you for having him on i love that software
0: i love it i love it absolutely all right absolutely
1: all right let's get into the meat of it so two weeks ago i follow you on facebook and you went live and you posed a question that just stirred me it connected with me it resonated it was what is a move of god what is a move of God? You talked about a lot of things. There was a particular verse that you went to, First uh, Thessalonians 5, 19 to 21. Do not quench the spirit. That's something we hear all the time. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. And you began to open that up. And after I heard that conversation, I heard some of the things that people put into the chat. I contributed a bit. I said, okay, this is it. I've got to have him on his show in the next month. I got to share this with my audience because, again, when you're dealing with, I think it's timely for the embodied Christ, period. But when you deal with worship leaders and and musicians, as you know, we have a lot of ideas about what a move of God is and what flowing is. And some of them aren't anchored in the text. And so I think what you talked about can help us get back to a place where we don't quench the spirit. But first, we understand what that really means and what Paul was talking about. So, listen, I'm going to I'm going to just throw it over to you. Can you just share <laughs> share with my audience what you gleaned from that text that could help us?
0: Absolutely, man. You know, so in the especially in the black culture, I'll just say that culturally what we have deemed to be the move of the spirit in our church experience and our corporate worship settings is, you know, the singers are going forth, the dancers are going forth, and God overwhelms us with a sense of his tangible presence. And now in that moment, we liken the move of God to be erase everything else on the program. You know, cancel the word, cancel the announcements, who ain't nobody thinking about the offering right now, the, none of that stuff because. We're right here in this tangible place with the Lord. And then, of course, people will go back to Second Chronicles, the fifth chapter, and marry it to the scripture when you know the cloud, the kabod came into the, into the place, the priest was unable to minister by way of the cloud. And so oftentimes that's that's just been what has conditioned our minds that anytime we don't erase or switch from what was planned or what was quote unquote programmed or what some would call our agendas, then we have quenched Holy Spirit. Mm. And so there's a couple things here. One, I'm big on context. I understand that as a preacher, we do eisegete sometimes and we will take a text and borrow from the context or borrow from the text to make a point. But it's still important that we are exegetical where we're, we understand what the original text was saying so that we don't misappropriate it and put program in place or thoughts in place or mindsets in place that was not applicable to what the author was writing in its original setting. And so, of course, when we reference quench not my Holy Spirit, it was really dealing with a lifestyle. It was saying when somebody comes and they have a word from God or God is moving upon their lives and He brings them into your midst. The Arthur was saying, don't muzzle them. Be careful not to shut the mouth of the prophet. In other words, and then it also goes on if you read further in the text to deal with. Likewise, discern and don't so easily gravitate to anything that's you know being said. Don't let everything be spoken. So Paul was really saying, you know, in this text, you know, listen, somebody's going to come and they're going to have a word of God and you they may be a stranger, you may not know him. So for, be careful not to quench Holy Spirit, quench not my spirit. All right. So that's what the text was dealing with. It wasn't dealing with if song number three, we love it and we're singing it and we're crying and we're on our knees, on our face. Now it's time for the man of God, because now we have to look at it in this life. The same God that gave the worship leader what to minister and lead the people into the presence of God with is the same God that also gave the pastor what to preach to the people to lead them into the presence of God. And so both have heard God, both have a mandate and an assignment in a corporate moment. And so Now to disqualify or to take away or to, you know, lessen another anointing, what that really does in essence is to say that God was not big enough to discern the future. Mm. God in the present said, this is what I want you to do. And if he's omniscient and all knowing, then why would God in the moment say, this is what I want you to do knowing that in the future, he's going to turn around and cancel it. So we literally minimize the greatness and awesome knowing of God anytime we say this is more important or the agenda should change. Now watch this. Let me go a little further. So the word says his thoughts are not according to our thoughts. Mm -hmm. His ways are not according to our ways. And so in essence, what he's saying is, yes, prepare. Yes, I'm going to speak to you but also understand that I may do something or birth something in the moment that you've never seen. Now, what many apply that to is God may do something different that in the service, the components of the service, but it could be in the components that he drops a prophetic word, or a Rhema word in the pastor's mouth, or he switches the song that the worship leader prepared in a moment because, you know, there's a need that we have to minister to that has come before us. But it doesn't mean that the actual timelines or I should say things in the service are now dismissible because now that means somebody is sensing my moment is, like I say, more significant. You know, God's here. And so, man, I wanted to pose that question a couple of weeks ago because I was on the clubhouse and I saw some posts, people saying, you know, the church is dying and, you know, we need life in the church again and, and revival and we need a real move of God. And this and I kept hearing this and I kept saying, so let's determine what a real move of God is by scripture. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you determine it by scripture the very first birthing of the church was the day of Pentecost. That was the very first church service in which Peter was the inaugural preacher of the first service of the church. All right. And so in this first birthing place of the church, Jesus meets beforehand when they're doing their planning meetings. And and I'm bringing it into today's time when they're preparing for their launch service and they're doing the groundwork and getting the demographics laid out and getting the plans ready. They establish a meeting place and he says, we're going to meet here and this is what we're going to do. And it's going to be on this date. We're going to call this day, the day of Pentecost, 50 days past the resurrection of our Lord. And now here Jesus tells his disciples and those around them that I'm going to go to my father. And when I sent to my father, I'm going to send you in just a few days, a comforter. And this comforter, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, He's going to empower you. You're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And so now Jesus tells them all that's going to happen in this first service. So now here we are. We're at the church house. We're in the upper room waiting on the Lord. We've already done the ribbon cutting and we've already came in and everybody's sitting in the pews and, and everybody's waiting on service to start. And they're waiting on this promise that Jesus has given. So now here comes the promise. And it, I mean, it is fire experience mm-hmm. i mean the it's so fiery that it says when the holy ghost comes in the room it's like tongues of fire resting upon the people and and so now what happens here comes the move all right so we got the promise we know service is going to start we know services on this day and we know this is the opening of the church and now in the midst of this corporate setting now holy spirit comes and when he came now the power that jesus said will be upon you it now begins to manifest and it begins to produce works all right what's the works that it produces well at the at time, the very first work was they began to be filled with tongues. They began to speak in a heavenly language, let thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we now have a connection to heaven through this language that we're speaking. But this language is a little different this day. It's not just a tongue that communicates directly to God for just our edification, but this falls into this realm called the gift of tongue, with which now everybody is gifted.